0: Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers
1: Association podcast. Hi everyone, and welcome to this, the 12th edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. Today is Wednesday, August 15, 2012, after the Olympics have closed. I'm Tom Iovino of tomsworkbench.com, and I'll be your host for this program. Joining me today from vacation somewhere in the country, the founder of the Modern Woodworkers Association, Chris Atkins, from High Rock Woodworking. Welcome, Chris. How you doing?
0: Good, Tom. How are you? And doing you know what? I said, I said that I was going to say something different this time, because every single time I say, I'm good, Tom. How are you? I'm
1: doing fine, Chris. Thanks for asking. So say something different.
0: It's awful. Uh, <laughs>
1: It's I'm terrible doing horribly I'm doing terrible oh man what a bummer we gotta cheer you right up <laughs> that's right okay now i know something that will cheer you up and it's the next person on our on our panel from sunny long Island dangling precariously off the southeast corner of the empire state is diami palatki of the
2: penultimate com? Diomi, can you cheer up Chris oh chris everything is dandy up here you just got to come back to New York that's what it is you're glum that you left aren't you that's
0: that's exactly right. I'm glum that I left New York again. Oh, man,
2: I tell
1: you, it's sad. All right. Well, diami, we're gonna have to cheer up somebody else too. I think this person can really help cheer up the entire room, based on alphabetical order by last name, but first in your hearts, ladies and gentlemen, hailing from the town next door to North Attleboro, Massachusetts, is Nick. Don't call him Rick Rulo of com Nick. Can you cheer up everybody in the room and outside who's
3: watching today? I'm not sure I'm the man for that job, and I'm really curious how you knew that Mansfield is next to North Attleboro. We have our way of knowing these things. Is it? It is. All right. But I remembered what you told me. Oh, it's Diami. <laughs>
1: Oh, I have my sources. I'm not allowed to divulge them, folks. I'm not allowed to divulge them. Okay. It looks like the gang's all here. And now for this month, we're going to be talking about some things. We're going to be joined by a special guest later, Matthew Teague. But right now, we have to talk about what's on our benches. Can I start? I mean... I don't want to break my arm and pat myself on the back, but I had a really big thing that wasn't woodworking related happen to me this week. Go for it, Tom. Thanks, Chris. I was looking for your permission. You guys yep. can participate anytime you want, okay? You this past week, I was at the Emergency Management Institute selected as an instructor to teach the first Master Public Information Officer class for emergency managers around the country. It was a big deal. On that trip, I got a chance to meet up with a bunch of woodworkers at the Appalachian Brewing Company in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Carrie Holtman of the Village Carpenter and I were able to set this meeting up. Some really great people, some awesome time, and some awesome beer. we talked a lot of woodworking, and it was great to meet people from another part of the country. had a chance you know, to kind of catch up with everybody face to face. So for me, it was a big thing. What's somebody else doing? Well, that I mean, seems
2: like a hoot. Why didn't it you? It was. Tell us about that.
1: Okay. Well, what happened was I knew it was going to be a in Emmitsburg, which is just south of Gettysburg, it's it's right on the Pennsylvania Maryland border. So Carrie Holtman, I know, lives in near Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. In the capital it's in the it's district. Yeah, the Bergs. Everything's a berg. You don't want to run into anything because they have icebergs there too. So what we did was we figured we get we put the call out to woodworkers in the area, and uh, you know there at the Appalachian Brewing Company had a big restaurant with a big meeting room. We were able to go in, and it was a, about fourteen of us. It wasn't a whole bunch, um, but still we had a chance to get together. There was a little libations. There was a lot of food. There's a lot of yucking it up. But the thing was, it was great because there were a lot of people I hadn't had a chance to meet yet. And, you know, one thing I love about woodworking is every time you go someplace, you run to woodworkers, always the nicest people you ever want to meet. I mean, we're talking about people Andrew Vincent Cortese and, and Neil Becker, and really nice guys and and gals, too. Um, just everybody was a, just a hoot. We had a great time. And um, I'll tell you, you know, you get the opportunity, if you're going anywhere around the country, to, to put the word out on Facebook or Twitter, and just or in the Modern Woodworkers Association, just meet up with folks. It's a
0: Great, great so, chance. So, wait a minute, Tom. Does this mean that you have now officially had your first Modern Woodworkers Association get together? I had my
1: first one at the Tampa Fairgrounds during oh, that's the right. wood you show. Yeah. So i got to get around to doing it. But i so got now- this thing, I got this little thing called the Republican National Convention coming to town. So I've been a little busy the past few months trying to yeah, line yeah. that up. Once we get beyond hurricane season, then we'll be back in the cooler weather. People want to actually <laughs> get out of the air conditioning and do a few things. So I've got a couple ideas in mind, but that will be my second Modern Burger Association meetup. I've been falling down a job. Thank you so much for the <laughs> money. Now, what have you been up to, Chris? Having a lot of meetings, I see.
0: I have been doing nothing. Uh, oh. No, I mean, no, I've been pretty slack after uh, after getting back in town from from up in New York. Uh, with uh, finewood woodworking last week, with, which I'll talk a little bit about. Uh, be more about that. Don't, don't
1: let all of the secrets out.
0: I, I won't let all the secrets out yet. But um, I, I came back from from that and uh, just been trying to get back um, in gear. But I really haven't done much in my shop, so I'm I'm pretty slack. And to be honest, the uh, the first thing I need to do after being gone for about uh, a, a month now is pretty much just get the shot back in order. So you're like a perpetual vacation this summer. It seems that way, yes. I'm just saying. I, I mean you guys do seem to think that I stay on vacation, which I that do work too. You, here. you do? <laughs> I, I do work, yes. Vacation. Chris.
1: Jamie, yeah, I mean, what 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 have you been up to these days? I built me a boat. I built me a boat. i fixed fixing to build me a boat.
2: So what what exactly first of all inspired you to do this? I uh, Mark Spagnolo, months and months ago, six months ago, something like that, shared a post by, I'm going to screw this up, it was Garden Fork TV, a blog about something, I don't know, they don't mm-hmm. know about plywood boats, and they had a blog about a plywood boat, so I watched that, I said, damn it, I can build one of them, so uh, this last week I was on vacation, so while we are on vacation, I took the kids down to Lowe's, we picked up a couple sheets of plywood, and sat in the driveway of our cabin, and built us a plywood boat. Is my screen share working? because I can't the, see them. The, 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 yes. Qu- yes, we can see
1: pictures, mean the, 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 the question I guess I have is, when you got into the boat, did it float?
2: Oh, yeah, with children in it. No you way. Know done, they're peeking over the edge.
1: Now, is this is this Olympic quality? You can get people in there for the two-person sculling, or what, what are we talking about?
2: I was able to get two adults in there, so nice. that was a success, and in the span of about 45 minutes, it only took in about an eighth of an inch of water. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say it was successful. I built it for about 70 bucks. I built it in a day. I was on vacation, and I got to to tool around in the lake in my own boat. Does that boat still exist? Yeah, I was I was actually ready to just to scrap it, because I figured, what the hell, it's a boat for the week, I'm on vacation, I will take it home. But uh, where we stay on vacation in Lake George is about 45 minutes away from my dad's mm-hmm. barn, and he insisted on taking it back. So it's going to spend the winter at his barn, and next summer I'll hold it out again I'll take it on the boat. I think next year you need to paint racing stripes on it. <laughs> Make it look
1: faster in the water. You can see here I was muscling into some actual kayakers who knew what they were doing. I, I, I love it, Diaby. I, it, it, you didn't even have to call the coast guard to come save you. That was the best part.
2: Next What's next lot, year I'm going to actually row action. to one of the islands. What was that, Nick? Is that
3: Nessie behind you there? Yes, it is.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's coming to get them. I'm telling you.
3: You catching the Scottish theme? Yeah, I'm feeling it. So, yeah, so
1: Nick, do the do the do your segment in a brogue, please. Do it in a brogue, okay? What have you been up to?
3: My Scottish accent is crap. It's crap, crap.
1: I tell you. So what have you been? Uh, up
3: to? I've been neck deep in a kitchen remodel. Tore out all my floors, so I have a big hole in my house where my kitchen used to be. Uh, so just plain old boring carpentry and framing and trying to flatten out things that are long since bent and all kinds of fun stuff like that. Ain't nothing
1: more disruptive to a house than tearing out the kitchen. Yep. So what have you been doing? You been cooking in the bathroom? What's going on?
3: Oh, we set up a temporary kitchen in the in the dining room with a stove and everything. The only thing that's missing is the is the sink. Okay. And we miss the sink.
1: So what are you doing? Like just eating off paper plates or what?
3: No, we we have a laundry tub uh, upstairs, so we just carry our dishes every day. Hand wash. Yeah. Oh, Rough life.
1: Someone's got to do it,
3: right? That's right. Okay.
1: All right. Well, guys, since we covered that, now let's talk about something that blog. There was a blog post that piqued our interest. This one is actually very useful to woodworkers, and I really, I really think we need to put, give it a little time. So, so what's going on with this?
2: Well, uh, our good friend Kenneth Woodruff has just released the Woodshop Widget for Android, which means that all of us. You know, studio Chris like can now use it, and it's just a fantastic app that goes into most of the real tree key math things you need to do on um, on the computer on on the wood shop. I'm sorry, I'm screwing around with the screens here what what the woodshop widget lets you do is dilute shellac, mix shellac, figure out board foot, run costs on your board foot so when you're at in your lumber yard, you can figure out what your costs are before you get to the counter. It does expansion rates for different types of woods. It does lots of different cool tasks you're going to use in the shop. But as much as I would like to go on and on about it, Tom, we're, we're going to line Kenneth up and have him talk about it himself. So I don't want to steal too much of his thunder. But for any of our listeners who use Android, go, down, go to the Play Store and look up the Woodshop widget. It's well worth the 2 or $3 it costs. It's a fantastic little tool to have in the shop.
1: I've used it on the computer before, and I've been extremely jealous of the people who could use it on iPhone, and uh, it's nice to see it's come to the Android market as well. It's really, really a useful tool, something handy to have in the shop that you can reach, uh, you can reach to and actually do some calculations on, because math,
2: not my strong suit. No, no, and, nor mine. And I should just give him a little credit. The, uh, his blog where he's got the newest post about it is roughwood, rughwoo dot Kenneth Woodruff, and that's w o o d r u f f dot com. And,
0: and right, I'd also, and you. I'd also point out because you guys won't, it is available for the iPhone. So um, I've I've actually uh, been been slack on it, and uh, I did download the app today.
1: Oh, contrary my iPhone. friend. I just mentioned it was
0: on the iPhone. I know so, you huh. did, but I'm just making sure everybody knows it is available for the iPhone. So I did download it today. So I'm looking forward to having a canthon, and we can, we can
2: so discuss the merits of both.
1: If you're a Droid fan, if you're an iPhone fan, there's an option for
2: you. So this is well, all you have is a desktop computer. You can use it on the web app.
1: So you don't even have to have a smartphone. You can have the belt have- phone. You can have two tin cans and a line of string. And still use the uh, use the use the app. It's very very cool. As
2: long as one of those cans is in Kenneth's hands. he will
1: tell you the answers. He'll walk you right <laughs> through it. Okay. So now what? What now? We've got the Modern Woodworkers Association. What is happening in the MWA? What are we looking at? Nick, there's something going on in New Hampshire.
3: Yes, August 26th. that's a Sunday. We are going to be hosted by uh, New Hampshire Furniture Master. Member Tom McLaughlin uh, to view the New Hampshire Furniture Master exhibit. Um, every year they hold an auction of works. Uh, a lot of really, really beautiful pieces. Um, Tom McLaughlin's in there. Garrett Hack is in there. Uh, a whole, whole, whole slew of really fantastic woodworkers. Um, you can check it out uh, at the MWA website. We have links to the event, to the exhibit, and. To the tour, so that that is going to be taking place Sunday, August twenty sixth at noon. Anybody who's interested in joining us for that, it's in Concord, New Hampshire, at the New Hampshire Historical Society. And please do shoot me an email so we can RSVP to the uh, hosts to let them know how many to expect.
1: Sweet, gotta like that. You want to make sure you yeah getting your getting that RSVP. They'll be able to better handle the group. Those I should also, are...
3: I should also add that afterwards we're going to be meeting up for food and drink. Um, I know that's the big draw. Hey,
1: another opportunity for people to get together. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, Diami, Yes. Everybody came to the Empire State for a reason recently. Tell us what happened.
2: Well, uh, two weekends ago was the inaugural Fine Woodworking Live, and uh, much of the Modern Woodwork Association, uh, your three co-hosts, were in attendance. Yay! (laughs) And uh, we just had a nice time. Uh, We managed to record probably a podcast and a half worth of audio while we were there, so that'll be some upcoming releases of our discussions about the event and our take on it, some interviews with people. And uh, Nick was nice enough to shoot about 12 videos of uh, some of the presentations and an interview between Rob Boas and Asa Christiana that's all on the Modern Woodworkers Association YouTube channel. So we'll have some more audio coming out about it once we get around to editing and publishing it. But in the meantime, anybody should check out our YouTube channel, and they can see a bunch of the show they missed. And I'll just say that it was an event well worth attending. And we'll get into the merits of it versus other events uh, when we finally air the audio we record. And the and the beauty about that
1: podcast, you're not going to have me, <laughs> so it'll be a lot more enjoyable to listen to. I can guarantee you, folks.
3: Yeah, the, you should mention the YouTube channel is Modern Woodworkers. Good
1: note. Good note. We want to make sure you go to that site. You check out all these resources; they're all available to you, free of charge. Just get on there, uh, Chris. Town of Atlanta is gonna be hosting something coming up as well. So what's going on there?
0: Yeah, we've we've actually got something in Atlanta that I don't have to fly up north for. So uh yeah, IWF is gonna be here. Uh the IWF two thousand twelve is gonna be here in Atlanta and that's at the uh Georgia World Congress Center and that's on August the twenty second through the twenty fifth. Um, there's a lot of people gonna be there. Um and we're pretty excited about going. Uh, the Modern Woodworkers, we've, we've got an event set up for Friday. So right now the plan is for the, the group to all get together on a Friday evening and, and go check out the show, and then after the show ends at 5 o'clock, we're going to go out and grab some dinner and grab a drink and uh, get together afterwards. So we'll definitely keep a uh, – there will be a post on the site, uh, so keep an eye out.
1: In, in addition to Scotland, I'm also sensing a the theme of woodworkers getting together for libations and food. And you can't go wrong with libations and food and woodworkers, as long as you're not going right into the shop afterwards. Shops and
2: libations. Safety message
1: from the emergency management PIO. Thank you very much. Deami, WIA is coming up. Woodworking in America is coming up, and it's two locations.
2: It is two more excuses for libations. Yes, and food. And, yeah, um, the fine folks over at F&W Media have been kind enough to offer the MWA booth space so we're going to be representing not only ourselves but other woodworkers at both events we're going to send chris he's tired of coming up north so we're going to send him out to california with nick and uh you and i tom will cover cincinnati and uh between all of us we'll be we'll be at both shows we're going to have some as yet undetermined get-togethers there and just try and enjoy the event with everybody sweet
1: sounds good i can't wait i am looking forward to it now I, i will promise i wore pants the entire time I know, promises, promises. The moment you all have been waiting for, besides libations and food and Scottish accents, is upon us. And I would like to take the opportunity to welcome our special guest, Matthew Teague, the former fine woodworking editor, author, and the current popular woodworking editor. Matthew, welcome. Welcome. How you doing? Good. How's everybody there? Good. Keep them busy off the streets and out of the pool halls
4: Great, I guess
1: <laughs> But I am ready to go get some libations um, Okay, let's jump right in sure. Woodworking in America You guys are sponsoring that this year You have in the years past I think most listeners know what Woodworking America is May even have previously attended so for everybody who's been hiding out for the past years, maybe living under the proverbial rock, can you tell us what WIA is? Let's just get the basics out of the way.
4: Well, it's just a, a great collection of um, instructors that will be there, some of the best best furniture makers in the country, and definitely the best teachers, um, and just a lot of people who are really excited about woodworking. It's a great place to you know listen and learn uh, from, from some of the best, and there's a, a great marketplace. Um, I think you all are going to be there. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's a little bit of everything. The two shows this year, we've got a few different speakers uh, that are going to be at both shows, and then some different ones for each show. So, uh, Chris Schwarz, Roy Underhill, um, they'll be at both, and then a couple couple new new names. Curtis Buchanan's going to be at the show in Ohio, uh, great Windsor chairmaker. So I'm really excited to get him in there. Um, Paul Church will be at both shows. Um, mm-hmm. Just incredible work. So, a lot of things we're excited about. Yeah. So, both good shows. Yeah, it's definitely
1: an opportunity to see a lot of see a lot of really talented woodworkers, get some class, see some really interesting displays, marketplace, and and just meet up again. That really get a lot of energy. You know, people who are in there who are just you know woodworkers of different levels all getting together. It's that exchange of ideas is really important as well.
4: It is. Yeah, and kind of our take on it uh, as as the editors there is we. Kind of figure out what we'd like to, you know, who would we like to see for the next three days, and who would we like to learn from. So it's kind of a kind of a selfish act from us. We just, you know, I'd love to see Curtis Bill a Windsor chair. Or I'd love to see Paul Church work. So yeah, it's it's a great thing for us too. It'd be a fun couple days. Perfect. I was to
2: to ask about the the split to the two shows this year. I know in the past it had been a single show, then you broke up to two shows in I want say two thousand nine, and then back to one show and back to two. But you to that a little bit when you were introducing it. Does that come down to you can get more a, a wider variety of speakers by having it at different locations because you have people who won't come to the East Coast or the West Coast or vice versa? Or is there another reason to do two shows rather than just one?
4: Well, yeah. I mean, I think... Well, I just started at the magazine about eight months ago. Um, so... They had just decided to do two shows when I got there, and I think they just heard from a lot of people that they really wanted to get to the show, but it was you know too far to travel um, and just couldn't work it out. So having two shows to choose from should allow you know people all over the country to hopefully be a little closer to one show um, or or both shows. We certainly wouldn't turn you down for both.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if they were in two weeks apart, I'd probably try to make both myself.
4: True. Yeah, and that was. Uh, that was kind of the product of a little bit of last-minute planning. Um, it's a little harder to find a, a good event location to do something like this than you might think. Um, so I think in the future they'll be spaced out a little more, so a little more appealing to do both. Uh, yeah, it is It is tough with them being just a couple of weeks apart, but they seem to be doing well, and, and people are excited about them, so we are too.
2: Yep, so are we. We're looking forward to it. Um, so you just mentioned you've been with Popular Woodworking for eight months. Will this be your first Woodworking in America?
4: It will be. It will be. So I'm excited about that too. We look forward to seeing you there. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, when I started, I think the first day I was there, the first meeting we had was on WIA trying to nail down who all the speakers were going to be. So I think everybody else there has been through a number of different WIA conferences. So there were a lot of names that are, you know, old standbys that have just done a great job over the years that I think people would get pretty upset if they weren't there again. So uh, a lot of those guys, and then some new faces, too.
1: I know Roy O'Neal has been a real treat every time I've gone. Just a lot of humor with his woodworking. That really helps it a lot.
4: Yeah, I, he's very entertaining. I've seen him a couple of times. Um, and another one, uh, we're going to have Mary May at the show in the Midwest, and she's just a great carver. Who? Uh, oh, yeah. It's I'm really excited to see her too. So, 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 so Matthew,
0: what uh, with this, especially with this being your first Woodwork in America,
4: what are you looking forward to most? Honestly, just getting out there and meeting meeting the people who read the magazine. That's always you know exciting to me to see people and interact with the people who are looking at the work we do all the time. It's easy to get holed up in you know either the workshop or my office or lost somewhere in between the two. Um, and not get to connect with the people who are actually reading the magazine, looking at the website, and meeting a lot of people that I've you know, talked to back and forth online, help people with you know, various questions they've had. So, yeah, definitely meeting our readers is always top priority, and, of course, the, the presenters, too.
0: Now, Woodwork in America, of course, is just, I mean, it's a huge event, and there's so many online guys and, and woodworkers just around the country that it's just, it's a major event for everybody to get together for and uh, and there's a lot of information out there on it I, I guess if if you had something that you could say this is what I want people to know about woodworking in America if you could share it what what would that be
4: uh, I just I mean if you've got three days and want to learn as much as you can and and get excited about woodworking I don't, I don't think there's a better place for it
0: great no there's definitely a lot of excitement that gets built up around it and uh, you know, this this is actually my first woodworking in America, too, so I'm pretty excited about it.
3: Great. We just uh, finished talking about uh, our experience at Fine Woodworking Live. I'm curious to know um, what your thoughts on, on having an East Coast event sponsored by, I suppose, a, a competing yeah, magazine, I mean. uh, but also part of your past. Um, why don't you just give us your thoughts on, on – on they're they're starting in on, on having these live events.
4: Well I, you know I didn't go to it obviously um, although I would have you know loved to see what they're doing you know to be honest, I was there I guess I left there eight years ago. I used to work there. They've talked about doing events for years um, and I think they just kind of got it off the ground so uh, no I mean as far as I'm concerned, I, I just want more people excited about woodwork. I want the woodworking community to grow. It's been a great thing in my life, so I'm always happy to see more attention brought to it. Definitely, I, I know Definitely. All I still know all those guys too, so I know they'll do a good job.
1: It, I mean, it's not a large. I mean, when you think about the people who who woodwork, I mean, we you'll be a nail on the head, Matthew. We're trying to grow the community um with efforts like this, but also working with the magazines and working with other outlets to make sure that uh, that we don't let anybody slip through the cracks and making sure that it gets all inclusive. Have you have you felt that uh, you know, energy and enthusiasm since you've been with the magazine and since you've been involved with WIA?
4: Sure, yeah. I mean that's that's what I've that's been my goal for, for years when I was started at woodworking magazines and even you know, I was freelancing and building furniture for about the last eight years and still teaching a lot um, and writing a lot on on furniture making, and yeah, just, I mean, like I say, it's always been a big part of my life, and just a, a great thing for me, and I, it just, it's a it's a great hobby for people, it really means, uh, for the people who are, enjoy it, I think it means more than they can really find words to say, so the time people spend in their shop is a, is a big deal, and it has That's to be. More. the more I can spread that, the happier I am.
1: That's, yeah, just definitely a rewarding hobby, and you know, definitely build that piece. You could pass it on to somebody in your life special. They treasure it. It, it, it just it is a lot to be said about it.
4: Sure, there is.
1: Yeah, now you're new with poppy. Okay, now you're new with popular woodworking. Congratulations, by the way, on being named the editor. Uh, right. What have you noticed so far about being at the magazine? I mean, what what are some of the things that stand out?
4: Well, the things you've noticed about uh, woodworkers in general. Uh, you know, we're all a, a group that spend a lot of time in our shop working alone. We have very strong opinions um, about how we want things done, but we're always a pretty supportive group, too. So it's been, you know, I, I just like the back and forth, working in an editorial office, working at the magazine. Everybody's very passionate about what we want the magazine to be. So it's nice to see people who really love what they're doing.
1: When you love your job, there's a lot
4: to be said about that. There, there absolutely is. All right,
1: let me. let uh, let's see where we are here. Uh, by the way, you know, there's a question that came in: Is Bob Lang really the party animal he appears to be? <laughs> is Bob? Is Bob the party animal he appears to be?
4: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay.
1: Yeah. rock on! You gotta love it. Now let me um, let me ask you this: Now you, you used to work for Fine Woodworking. You're now a popular woodworking. I'm involved with Wood Magazine myself, so I guess my question is: You know, when you take a look at the the big the big magazines out, there also Shop Notes and and Woodsmith and all those others. Um, you know what distinguishes the magazines from each other? Do you think they grab different segments of the audience, or do you think they're they're all trying to reach the same folks? Or you know, what, what are you, what's your opinion on that? And you don't have to knock no, anybody. I mean, you
4: know. No, no, and I, I, well, to be honest, yeah. I worry a lot more about our magazine than any of the others as to you know who we're targeting. Yeah, I think there's a there's a place for you know there's a it's a wide market of of people interested in woodworking. You know, some people like hand tools, some like power tools, some are design freaks, you know, and and really go that route. Um, We just, we like to do kind of a broad range of topics um, Mm -hmm. and do them well, so try to be a little bit of something for everybody, but...
1: Yeah, and, you know, uh, again, you know, it's tough to be the combination dump truck and sports car, try to be everything for everybody. It's, It's tough to do that, so you know it it's good to strike that balance, but again, you know I mean it, it's you know I've always been impressed with the big man all the magazines that have been out there the content you know that the editorial style as you grow into it, it'll be interesting to see how you take the magazine from where it is now to where you want to get it eventually
4: yeah, and you know the one thing I would say is I mean there are places out there where you can find out how to do something that's um th- that's a that's there's a lot of that in the market. What we try to do is tell you not only how to do it but the history of it, why to do it that way. Mm-hmm. To really get a full understanding of it where you hopefully one day master it rather than just know technically how to do it. So yeah, it's a little bit cool. of all, yeah.
0: Chris, you have a question for Matthew. And, yeah, I mean, I was just going to kind of touch on that. I mean, as, as, as far as, as Pop Woodworking and stuff, I mean, if you had something that you could say, you know, what would you want listeners to know of, about popular Woodworking as far as kind of the focus and, and, and what your – kind of overall, you know, opinions and goals and, and stuff of pop woodworking is.
4: Well, we try to find the, you know, the, the best and brightest voices in woodworking today and, and present it in a way that is really accessible to our readers and can take them to the next level in woodworking. So I'd say, you know, if you're interested in woodworking and really passionate about it, you know, we're the place to go. That's my hope. That's what I hope the magazine becomes. And if you're interested in getting better at woodworking, learning more about woodworking, then, you know, we'd like to be the place you turn for it.
3: Well, right? uh, i got to say, I'm, I'm a reader of all of the magazines, and, and Popular Woodworking is one of my favorites. I, I'd say almost because of the amount of history you go into in the pieces. It's not just a uh, how-to, per se. It's, uh, you know, here's how it was done in the past. Here's why they did it this way. And that's, that's interesting to me. Even if I'm never going to do it that way, I'd like to know how it was done, you know, 200, 300 years ago. Right. Um, how the techniques we use today came to be.
4: Yeah, and, you know, we just had an article two issues ago, uh, Chris Schwartz did, on a piece of campaign furniture. Um,
3: Chris Schwartz does campaign furniture pieces?
4: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Um, but, you know, to, to, to really go through the history of that is that uh, there are not a lot of places that you can do that. So we're pretty excited about that. I think, you know, bringing that kind of information out there is makes me feel good at the end of the day. Uh, I think I speak for most of your readers and
3: say keep it up. We appreciate that. But Fine. I I I'm curious how you how you got into woodworking. Can you tell talk a little bit about your history in woodworking?
4: Uh yeah, let's see. My um grandfather was a cabinet maker. He was the cabinet maker at like a textile mill in South Carolina. Uh and my father just picked it up from him. It was always a hobby for my dad and then when I was growing up, you know, from the time I was 7 or 8 years old, My dad and I would drag, we didn't have a shop, but we would drag the bandsaw and a small little benchtop table saw onto the back porch and uh, build stuff. It's just kind of what I always did and kind of the way my father and I communicated for, you know, most of my teenage years, I think. Um, Still do in many ways. And so that was kind of always a hobby. I think I was selling little kind of getting uh, kind of leftover wood from construction sites and trying to build and sell little chairs and things like that when I was 12 years old. So it's kind of the first job I ever had. Um, I wish I were still 12 because it's a great marketing strategy for selling furniture. Um, Maybe you need to find a 12-year-old and have them be the face person. Well, I've got two kids, so I'm trying Perfect. trying to get them there. We'll see. No,
2: you have two spokesperson or salespersons. Yes.
4: Right, they're three and six, so we got a couple months before they can really start, you know, beating the street. Just put
1: that three-year-old, get that three-year-old out there now. They're in that
2: prime age. Oh God, three-year-old,
4: three-year-old, also. So yeah, so it was a hobby for me for a long time. Um, then out of college, I went to work at a literary magazine, uh, Oxford American, um, in Mississippi. Um, I was there for about five years, and I think the longer I was there, the more time I was spending in my basement at night. Uh, doing woodworking and was home for lunch one day flipping through fine woodworking magazine and there was an ad for an editor's job and i called and the editor happened to answer and three months later i kind of moved to the northeast and changed careers so and i've been in you know woodworking's been my job in one way or another ever since then
2: was moving to connecticut as big a culture shock as i would imagine
4: at least yeah at least it was
2: i'm a new yorker and i think it would be a culture shock
4: yeah, it is. It is. No, I loved Connecticut. But, yeah, I moved there in November. Um, so, you know, it gets dark early. Moved in there in a snowstorm. So the first few months were, yeah, pretty tough. After that, though, I, I really did love it up there.
1: There's a reason why I live in Florida, Matthew, just so you're aware. I you don't have to shovel the sunshine. Well, I'm,
4: yeah. I'm actually in Nashville now, so I moved back this way. Tom loves those hurricanes.
1: I love them. Every single one
4: <laughs> I'm sure. Matthew, are you, you're you're running the ma you're editing the magazine out of Nashville? Yeah, we've got our offices are in Cincinnati. Um and I, I work out of my, my shop and office are in Nashville and I'm in Cincinnati. It's supposed to be one week a month. Sometimes it turns out to be a little more, but you know, whenever need be. As I mean, as you can tell from this hangout, there are lots of ways to communicate with people now. So uh it's it's really been pretty smooth. I think we were all concerned about that in the beginning, but, you know, I've got a shop here where I do a lot of photography, and good. I think it's good to mix it up a little bit. How would you describe your
3: woodworking? Do you get in the shop much these days?
4: Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I do a lot of chairs. I mean, for the last eight years, I've, probably 90% of what I was selling were chairs, So that, and, you know, still have a lot of designs being made now. Um, so, I'm, yeah, as far as style goes, I don't know if you – Got a piece that just came out in the magazine, kind of contemporary versions of Shaker and Arts and Crafts pieces. That always seems like a lazy explanation, but that's about as close as I've been able to come.
3: We had a uh, a special thank you to you from uh, one of a fellow Massachusetts modern woodworker, Keith Peterson, who posted uh, an image of his child's huh? chair inspired by one of your pieces. Like he just scaled everything down. Yeah, uh, I remember a, that chair. I can't tell if it's a Batman or. Uh, Thomas, it's Thomas trains uh, upholstery on there, but he posted this picture and, sa- and says a big thank you to you for for, uh, for your work.
4: That's that I uh, appreciate it. That's great. I have to say that's one of my favorite things about you know writing about woodworking is finding. I just got something yesterday. Somebody built something they saw in the magazine. Didn't build it exactly like they saw, like I had done it. They changed some things, made it fit what they wanted, used some different woods made some really smart choices, and it, it just makes me feel great to see it see it pop up in places.
1: Matthew, one of the things I'm fond of saying is that, there, you know, with woodworking, there's like a thousand ways to skin a cat. You know, there, you build it one way, you have a preference for a certain kind of joinery, certain kind of technique, but then somebody else does it in their shop, and you're like, why didn't I think of that? Right,
0: exactly. Now, now one thing, Matthew, is, you know, you know what's, what's kind of interesting to me is, you know, so many editors and, and writers and stuff like that, you, you, you know, they... They write, but that's that's all they kind of do is they write, but they don't necessarily really get into the topic that they're writing about. And one of the things that 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 we tend to notice is is most of the the woodworking magazine editors and stuff are really woodworkers, and I think a lot of people don't realize that.
4: Yeah, it's um you know they're two very different skills, editing and woodworking, um, but they're both very exacting or can be. Um, so it's usually, a, if you find the right people, it can be a good marriage. Um, I don't think you have to be a good woodworker to be, you know, a good editor at a woodworking magazine, but it definitely helps. Um, and I'd say if you aren't really interested in it and passionate about it, it you're just going to go crazy because it's, uh, you know, sure arguing over sixteenths and 30 seconds is. if you're not interested in it, it's uh, pretty tough. John, yeah.
1: I think we got with... I'm sorry, Matthew, I think we have time for one more question, Dion, if, you could, if you could jump in
2: with that. Matthew, I've read the legendary Tools and Shops 2002 issue with the Smart Shop in a One Car Garage article you wrote. Sure. And then the follow-up, the Tools and Shops 2008 Smart Garage workshop from the Ground Up article. Right. And I, had, uh, I, I follow them fairly closely because I am myself working out of a one-car garage, so I understand the issues yeah. dealing with that small space. Uh, And I had intended to ask what your shop was like now, assuming you had moved to Cincinnati. But if you're still in Nashville, are you still working from that Smart Garage workshop?
4: I am. It's the same workshop, just a lot dustier now. Now,
2: whatever we are five, six years on, how are you finding the space? Has it worked out as well as you'd intended when you were designing it, now that you've lived in it for many years?
4: It has. For, for, for a one-man shop, it's great. And I also don't do a lot of wow. like cabinetry, big cabinets. I don't do kitchen cabinets and things like that. never really have. As I said, most of my stuff is chairs. I think I've done, like, a couple of 12-foot-long tables. That gets challenging in that space because you've got to start it and finish it before you can move on to another project. And I think my personality likes to have eight different things going at once, so that cramps my style a little bit. But, um, no, I've, I've been really happy with it. I did have my office in there for a long time, but then when I was, as a, the more I kind of was building and selling furniture, I hired a couple guys to work in the shop with me. So the office kind of turned into overflow, and it was a little too loud to work in there anyway. So I've got, I'm in my kind of basement office now. So
2: If if the garage was designed as a good-sized one-man shop, when you bring in extra help, does it then get cramps? Were you able to work in the space with the extra guys?
4: Yeah, it was great. Uh, in fact, three of us, I've worked with three people in there fairly often. Um, yeah, if you can get the right personalities, it's not a problem. Just and, like I, you- and you mentioned, I saw you had built a boat earlier in the show yeah Uh, you mentioned that one car garage shop that you saw a a while ago yeah i was living on a little island with uh renting a place there yeah exactly that one um and that little shop i built a 14 foot canoe Uh, this was an island up in connecticut on a lake and i put the thing in the water one time and moved out of that house like three days later and it's sitting in my backyard now and it's not been in the water since then <laughs> well, but yeah, I, built, I built a 14 foot canoe and a 19 foot by 10 foot shop so that was a fun one yeah,
2: you see ones you're building mine in a parking lot <laughs>
1: you see when it comes to woodworking anything's possible you're putting mind to it Matthew I really want to thank you for coming out tonight this has really been an enlightening conversation and best of luck to you over at popular
3: woodworking.
4: Well thanks thanks for having me I enjoyed it
1: well, thanks again <laughs> for coming out tonight
3: all right everybody all do, right, you, like, do you, I mean, do you want to, do you want to uh quickly tell people where they can find the sh- the workshop books you were talking about? Uh, uh,
2: they're all the b- books I was talking about are Taunton books. They're the Taunton Tools and Shops issues, and this one is the Winter two thousand two two thousand three issue about the one car shop, and that's Fine Woodworking number one hundred sixty. And then the other one is the Tools and Shops two thousand eight issue with uh, Matthew's current garage in it. And I don't have that in front of me, so I couldn't tell you the number. But if you, uh, if you look on
4: the PD Magazine's
3: website, I'm sure you'll be able to find them. Matthew, anything you want to plug while you while we have you?
4: Um, yeah, the one thing, we've got an issue coming out. Um, it will be about a month now, but uh, it will be kind of a, not a sister publication exactly, but to accompanies in some way, the Woodworking in America program that we put on, the conferences we put on. So it will be a whole issue kind of dedicated to... to uh, kind of the best furniture makers and most notable furniture makers in the country. Uh, so it'll be, a, you know, a lot of profiles, woodworkers talking about how they got started, where they're going, how they design furniture, uh, the whole gamut. So I was just back from Brian Boggs' shop in Asheville, North Carolina, spent some time with him. Um, yeah, so we're really excited about that. So I keep, definitely keep an eye out for that one. Tom, you didn't tell us you were going to have a whole issue all to
3: yourself. I'm,
1: what can I tell you? <laughs> Matthew, thank you very much for coming out tonight. Thanks again. Okay, again, Thanks, best man. of luck. All right, everybody, it just about wraps up for the show. I'm Tom Iavito of TomsWorkbench.com. And for you following along on Twitter, at TomsWorkbench, right over there on the Twitter. On the tweeters. Okay, Chris, take it away.
0: All right, I'm 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 Chris Adkins of HighRockWoodworking.com. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at High Rock, w, w Nice.
2: I have been diami Plotke of PenultimateWoodshop.com, and because I've been too lazy about fixing my servers properly, you have to type in the www. I apologize. It's www.penultimateWoodshop.com, and I'm at diami on the Twitters.
3: And I'm Nick Rouleau, MansfieldFineFurniture.com, with or without three W's in front of it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at MansFineFurn, M-A-N-S-F-I-N-E-F-U-R-N.
1: And the army. if people want to find out
2: more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, what do they do? Well, if they want to find out more about the MWA, they should be sure to visit the ModernWoodworkersAssociation.com for up-to-the-minute happenings in the many different chapters, and to follow us on Twitter at MWA underscore national. That's the MWA Twitter account, MWA underscore national. And if you want to start a chapter of your own, just click on the Join MWA tab at the top. And remember, membership is free, but the connections you make will be priceless. Yes, indeed, folks. They'll be priceless. Everybody,
1: I'm the resident shop monkey, Tom Iavino, and I want to wish you all happy sawdust. Thank you very much for listening guys.